With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. And good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. I am so blessed today. It's taken a little time, but uh, I am so blessed today because I have doctors Mary and Ron Hulnick, and they have written an incredible book called Remembering the Light Within, A Course in Soul-Centered Living. I love that uh, subtitle. I I always call mine um, heart-centered. So I like the soul-centered because that kind of gives it a different, uh, a different, a little bit of a different theme, although very, very connected. Um, I'm just, I'm very blessed to have the two of you on today. I know that you're extremely busy. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, your journeys and how you started this incredible university that you have, which is pretty exciting. Yes. Well, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> just a little how bit. Much, how many months do we have? <laughs> well, Lori, we're so happy to be here with you. And the school was founded in 1976. It was really uh, um, a shell for a number of years. And then the founder of the school, John Roger, um, invited us to come and breathe life into the school. Actually, I had a dream. He had talked with us about the school. I had a very profound dream that we were to do the school. And so we let him know that we were willing to do it. We moved to Los Angeles, and we've been offering courses in and programs in spiritual psychology for the last 37 years. Wow. That's, That's the cliff notes. That, yes. <laughs> and you are way ahead of the uh, way ahead of the the, the masses. I mean, this is that's pretty powerful stuff. And reading your book, you can definitely tell that you two have really connected in with some very powerful information that I hope to get some of it. I, I I mean, this is a course all in itself. It could take months and months to read. If you did everything, you could do it like chapter to chapter. It's a brilliant book. If I could have written a book, this would be some of what I would have written because it is just, I love it. So let's dive in because Remembering the Light Within is just, I I just can't say enough about it because it was, it was just very powerful book. So let's talk about goal line versus soul line, because that's that. I love that idea. Yes. Well, the um, that stems from when we were working with people, we began very quickly to realize, and we kind of knew this all along, but knowing about something and knowing the something uh, happens when you turn ideas into experiences. And so the courses really were designed to turn ideas into experiences. So goal line, soul line. For most, for most of us, when we think of where life happens, we think of the physical world and we think of ourselves doing things and we take actions and we, the actions have results and, and on and on and on it goes. And it's measured in terms of success. So there's a negative polarity and a positive polarity, kind of like if you were to turn on a light switch, you could have more or less light. Was be that idea, and, and human beings are geared, or so it would seem, that the object is to move from as much negative experience to as much positive experience in a lifetime as possible. And we refer to that as the goal line. 
It's the physical world reality where the play gets enacted. But then if we think about it and we ask ourselves the question, but where does our experience day to day happen? And it doesn't really happen out there. All of our experience happens inside of us. So we have an experience out there, but then somehow it's us experiencing it within that really is the determining factor. And the prevailing notion is that outer experience is what reality is. And we say, well, no, that's not really quite accurate. The inner experience that we have is really what life is all about. And then we had this amazing idea because the prevailing notion is that what happens out there determines how we are going to experience it inside. And we realize that's not true because some people have the same experience as other people's out there, but yet their inner experience is much different. And so we began to think about, is it possible to directly get in touch with the place inside that is having the experience and inside of ourselves do something that changes our inner experience. So it frees us from, from robot-like responding to something out there without really thinking it through, without really um, considering that there are other possibilities. This notion is a breakthrough in, uh, in human consciousness. It's, mm-hmm. it's on the magnitude, not unlike that the uh, sun does not revolve around the earth, that it's the other way around. And so we say, really, outer experience just is the stimulus, if you will, that we then work with. And because of what's going on inside of us, we've determined the quality of the experience that we have. That's a huge step forward in human thinking. Absolutely. Now, it's like I said, this is a very powerful book that uh, it's like anybody who is ready to awaken or to really dive into their their journey on a very profound way really needs this book as a guideline to looking at all the different areas. I I really, yeah, I can't say enough about it. Okay, so (laughs) you have three principles of spiritual context. One, God or universal consciousness um, comprises of all that exists. And sure, we've heard this before. Um, but you go on and then you say the nature of God is unconditional love. Sure. And then the third one is since we're all part of God, our essential nature is also love. We have the opportunity of knowing our loving nature experientially in the here and now. Those are pretty powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, kind of go through, you know, the whole gamut of what we're experiencing here and what we're wanting to move beyond. Yes. Yes. And part of what those principles do, to me, they are so affirming of our essential nature that we are divine beings having a human experience, that our essential nature is loving, joy, aliveness, enthusiasm, peace, and that we all can awaken into that awareness more and more fully. And I I think that so many times people are very identified with their personal history and some of the suffering that they haven't experienced. And for them, it's it's like opening a window to an entirely different way of seeing themselves and seeing their life experiences that can be very, very freeing, healing, and empowering for people. It's also, um, and this has been our experience, certainly, it's also very challenging uh, 
<laughs> because for many people, it's I would actually go so far as to use the word frightening. And because what it forces you into is the consideration that that which is going on inside of you is totally under your dominion. And that means that you would need to be willing to consider taking responsibility for all of the disturbance that's going on inside yourself as opposed to conveniently blaming it on somebody else. That is huge. It really is. It's probably one of the most difficult. It's, it's funny because technically it's a very simple idea, right? Yeah. It's incredibly simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> and I no, think <laughs> it's, it's not easy because it's in the very moment of upset that we want to blame other people mm -hmm that we want to look outside ourselves at what somebody else has done or said or not done or not said, and we take it personally, and we feel very justified and righteous in moving into what we refer to as the I'm upset because. And all you have to do is look around the world, and you see this very dynamic being played out all over the place. And of course, in its most, uh, let's call it virulent form, that's really what a war is. It's a, whole, it's a whole group of people saying, we are upset and it's your fault. And, uh, and not only that, we have God on our side, and so we are going to kill you. And the other side is saying, oh, you are so wrong. Uh, we're upset at you, and uh, you're the ones who are wrong, and we have God on our side. And and there we go. Mm -hmm. Off we go into uh, some of the biggest carnage in human history. Yeah. All in the name of God. All in the name of God. All in the name of God and our, our somehow belief that we can judge others uh, really is the crux of all of this. And That's right. Unfortunately, our religions haven't stopped this and like haven't really taught us um, – you know, the truth behind that. that... Well, you know, the, the basic tenet of every religion uh, and every system that we really looked at, by and large, uh, is that, I mean, if you asked anyone in any major religion, what are you going toward? They would tell you the experience of love. That's true. And so, and so the basic fundamental idea is there. What we've done is, We've stripped everything away except that one idea. And then we say, regardless of what you believe, regardless of what you, uh, what you think about things, can we, can we meet in a place where we can respect each other as divinely inspired beings? And we find that uh, people love that. They just love coming together and they uh, relating to each other and, we we have the uh, <clears throat> the privilege, I'll call it, to put people together that way, and then have them engage in certain processes that are really just conversational. And then at the end, we ask them, "Now you never met these people beforehand, and we like to do it in trios, so that there's three people in the group." And and uh, we say you've never you didn't know those people before we sat down together here. And we had a conversation of a certain kind. And do is your experience that you feel closer and more intimate with these people than before you started? And invariably, 100% of the hands go up. Mm -hmm. So there's if you're willing to just see people in a loving way, what you find is that that changes something inside of you and you shift in consciousness. And that's the basic a formula for all of this work that we've developed these years. Right. You, I mean, you have a scale about the quality of relationships, and I think that's a really important piece. I don't know that I necessarily want to get into it all because it's, it's, it would probably take up the whole show, but yeah. um, it's, it's an important piece to understand that we have, you know, 
we have the opportunity to shift our focus and how we see things. And that's kind of what you were just talking about. I love the idea that you call uh, K-Love broadcasting. (laughs) I think that's a beautiful concept. Um, I mean, it's, it's, there's two, two ways of looking at all of this. Um, You know, the part of us that we often try to understand, which is the self-love, and then there's, you know, looking at others as an opportunity to see the mirror, to understand how we're shifting our love to others as well. And I think that's a, it's an interesting concept that keeps coming up, especially when you look at, you know, the quality of relationships. Relationships really are our common um, way of of understanding one how awake we are and two um our our most of our growth and um challenges will typically come within relationship and it doesn't just mean intimate relationships it's all relationships whether it's yes Yes, it is and and Lori, you know we work with people to really help them grok the distinction between ego reference thinking and looking through the eyes of the ego, which tend to be caught in the dualistic, good, bad, right, wrong, uh, judgmental approach to life, and 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 authentic self-reference thinking, that really comes from that deeper knowing inside of us that our essential nature is divine, it is loving, and that we have the opportunity to look at others, ourselves, and life in general through soul-centered eyes, that we don't need to collapse into the ego and judgment, that we can become more accepting. It doesn't mean we're going to necessarily like everything that uh, other people do or say, but we are no longer caught in the I'm upset because paradigm. Which is, it is quite an a paradigm that we, you know, we do focus on quite regularly. I mean, society still as a masses will, you know, the victim consciousness is still very, very strong. The ego centeredness is a very dominant theme in, in our world. And it's, it is, you know, part of, and I don't know which comes first, you know, the chicken or the egg. Do we focus on other to assist us to, you know, to then authentically love ourselves? Do we do it both at the same time? Or do we, you know, it, it becomes an interesting, you know, where do we start? Because people really don't, <laughs> don't know. No, they, they don't know. You know, um, Jalaluddin Rumi, the mystic mm-hmm. poet, made an incredible statement. He said, our task is not to seek for love, but to seek and find all the barriers that we have built against it. That we have built within yeah. against it. And and we add to that and to the, the dissolve them. So, so much of the pain and suffering that we experience in our mind and our emotions is based in misunderstandings, in uh, judgmental, right-wrong thinking, and we are conditioned into uh, a way of looking at ourselves, at others, and life that tends to create and promote a great deal of suffering. And so part of it is recognizing that perception is, as David Hawkins said, edited observation, and that we can lift the veil of forgetfulness, dissolve and resolve these limiting beliefs, these judgments, these unresolved mental and emotional issues that are stored within our consciousness. And as these things heal and resolve and dissolve, we have much greater awareness of and access to our essential loving nature. And it just changes everything. Yes. I love that you talk about David Hawkins. He's probably one of, I don't know, one of the more influential teachers of our time in that he made a lot available 
not just from a spiritual perspective, but also from a psychological perspective. Um, And that brings me to the five types of acceptance, which um, is one of the, one of the areas that I hope to, you know, really embrace. That was my goal for this year um, to embrace acceptance. And I like how you break it down because there's a lot of judgment that we have around, you know, not being able to accept what is accept self, accept others, accept the world as it is, and accept God. I think God probably is one of those areas we have to look at and and address because I think there's a part of us that all feel, um, depending on how we were raised, but that all feel that we were abandoned by God, which of course is something in the collective unconscious, I believe, um, that has sort of filtered down and created a lot of, of problem in our lives. And again, whether we call it God or the universe um, or source, I, I think, you know, we each have to come to terms with how we, how we view this, this infinite potential. But I, I love the five types of acceptance because that's a very important process of coming and evolving towards yeah yes the the one about god is uh you know as you say is um is very it's a very good one that we love to work with because see if you accept that the nature of god is love first of all that those three principles that all that exists is god and that the nature of that is is loving so all that really exists in the universe is loving then you would realize, I mean, if you really truly accept that, then you would realize where in the spectrum of what we would all agree is loving could something like abandonment actually even exist. It wouldn't be possible. I mean, you don't, we don't love, we, 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 we don't abandon those things we love. In fact, if we really love them, I don't know, that it would be possible to abandon them. Maybe physically we could do it, but not in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And you may be interested in knowing this. Uh, one of the biggest thrusts these days in science is that scientists are moving slowly from the area of quantum physics into what's called qualia physics, Q-U-A-L-I-A. And what it simply has to do with is the recognition that the physical universe does not explain, fully explain everything that we experience here. Because the one quality that is not taken into consideration that sits behind everything that we can see in physical world reality, and this is the way they speak about it, is the awareness that's observing it all. That can never be explained in terms of physical world reality alone. How is it that we experience that which we experience? And they're starting to get into that question. You know, part of what I find very beautiful about the the whole process of becoming more accepting, to me, acceptance of God is also accepting that we are divine, and that we come to the earth with spiritual intention and purpose. In other words, for each being, we come here with certain gifts that we are here to share. We also come here with certain things that we're here to heal, resolve and dissolve, uh, or we might speak of, of it as certain things that we're here to learn. And I think when you enter into the awareness that there is more going on here than five sense reality and you start waking up into spiritual reality and the spiritual context and you begin to consider some of these ideas and perhaps you have an experiential reference point from some point in your life where you began to be aware that there's a lot more going on here 
than life on the goal line. And it's a very, very powerful process of waking up into the awareness that not only is my essential nature love, but my essential nature is divine, and that each one of us has the spark of the divine or God within us. This is a hard one, because if I'm willing to go <laughs> to go to the place of saying, well, okay, I get it. I accept that my essential nature is divine. Then first of all, if it's true for you, it has to be true for everybody else on the planet. That's That's a hard one to begin with. And if that's true for you, it also means that you it would be impossible for you ever to have been abandoned. There, There is really no such thing. It's just an idea that people have brought forward uh, based upon whatever their spiritual curriculum is. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the ways that we uh, have seen this because we're big on experience. And, you know, for 35, 37 years now, we've been taking people experientially into deeper and deeper levels. And we have, uh, we have never seen an example, not once in the thousands of times that we've engaged in these kinds of processes, that when you give, when you give people the freedom to express whatever they want of a negative nature, express their anger, and then you encourage them in that, eventually they break through into a place of sadness inside, a place of hurt. Mm. And if you encourage them in that, and then you find that there is some kind of what we call a judgment, something that they believe that got violated, which is the source of the hurt, and you encourage them to let that go, to understand that that's just something that they hold in their minds. It doesn't have to be that way and unless they choose to think about it that way. And if they have the willingness to just let that go, and the process that we use for that we call compassionate self-forgiveness, to the degree they succeed in doing that, they just break through into what we can only describe as, um, well, I, I might hesitate to use the word ecstasy, but for many people it is that. They just go into a different place in consciousness, and it's always a place of loving. It's always the same experience. And what we like to do when they're in that place is have them talk from that place as much as possible, because that then spreads to the rest of the people in the class, and others start having the experience. And if we ask them, well, what about that thing you were angry about at the beginning of this of this session? They just break out into hysterical laughter. And they say, oh, I was upset about that, because in this place that they came to, it just, it just seems so ridiculous, because the consciousness has shifted. Now, do they hold on to that? Uh, usually, not totally, but they don't need to hold it totally. All they need to do is understand the process they went through so they now can replicate it. Because once they've done it experientially, experientially, they know they can do it again. Right. And that brings us to, I love, the mother of all choices. And you talk about your thoughts and the story, and the story really is this powerful attractor that, you know, tends to validate and reinforce the beliefs that we have. And we add to this story all the time. Now, I love that you talk about, you know, we and we alone have the authority to change our story. We and we alone are the author of this story. So, it's it is about choices. It's always been about choices. And, you know, people think, well, I don't have a choice. I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I have no choice. And, and it's an interesting process to help people see that there's always a choice. Yes, I remember when I was 19 years old, and I 
first read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, how profoundly it affected me and influenced me. Because here was a, a man in a Nazi concentration camp writing about that even in the worst of circumstances that he recognized he had the opportunity to choose his attitude, to choose his attitude towards the fellow prisoners and further to choose his attitude toward the guards. And he spoke about how there were men in the concentration camp who would share their last crust of bread with an, a fellow prisoner. And I think it just is such a statement about what is inherent within each human being is the spiritual nature, is the divine, is the loving, the kindness, and the compassion, and that we can learn to exercise that as a, as a choice. It's, it's extremely empowering. And the thing that it does is it liberates us from victim consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you talk yeah. about compassion, um, and you've already spoken about it. You talk about the courageous heart in choosing yeah. to release our fears. And I guess, compassion. go ahead. Compassion is really an important one. Yeah. Because what it really means, see, the, the, the word itself, compassion, um, if we start with the word passion, and every time I hear people say, I'm going to follow my passion, I kind of cringe a little bit inside because the word really means suffering. You know, we have the the passion of the Christ, for example. It's the suffering. So the word compassion really means co to be with, to be with someone who is suffering. And so it it means can you be with someone who is suffering without moving into sympathy or feeling sorry for the person who is suffering? Can you be with someone who is suffering and yet have respect for their pers- for that person and understand that they're going through an experience that their soul is providing them with and they will, they have the opportunity to learn from it, to learn how to be a more loving person. Uh, Ramdas used to talk about that a lot with hospice workers, and he would say, mentally, you're really doing great, and physically, you're helping these people, and emotionally, you're there for them. Spiritually, he would say, I'm afraid you're not doing such a good job, (laughs) because you're feeling sorry for them, and really, uh, you have no reason to be. Those people are, are in the process of going over into the loving essence of all that is. Why would you feel sorry for them? If anything, they should feel sorry for you who are having to stay here. So my advice to you, he would say, is to treat them with more respect and more compassion. And a byproduct will be that you won't burn out. I think when it comes to relationships and when it comes to um, the areas where we get conflicted the most when our, our, our core, our sacred wound sort of comes up, we often, you know, really try and understand ourselves or come from that place of, you know, this is why I'm feeling this way. But I often try and help people to sort of look at the other side and to see and to have compassion with the other person because you you don't get triggered without triggering the other person. You're not, you're both being triggered. And if you can switch it over to help understand and see what the other person is going through, then it can really assist you in getting out of your own head and ego to, to providing a more loving environment for your relationship. Yes. We, we do a lot of work with people on their relationships. And part of, part of this has to do with the lens of perception mm. and that we tend to see and experience life 
through the perceptual filter that is populated with our conditioned beliefs, with the misunderstandings and misidentifications that we hold, and that very often our upsets in relationship are sometimes based in just there's been a misunderstanding, but very often it's because of how we're hearing and interpreting what someone is is uh, saying to us or their way of relating to us. We're interpreting it in such a way that we feel betrayed, abandoned, rejected, what, whatever the emotion is, disappointed. And the, 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 this is a negative emotional consequence that comes from the beliefs that we hold, the conditioned patterns that were established, and the unresolved material that still resides within the consciousness having to do with earlier experiences where we felt similarly to what's being played out in the in the relationship now. So, but the wonderful thing about all of this, Lori, is that the principles and practices of spiritual psychology and the way this book is structured is designed to help people go systematically through the material, work with the material for a week or two so that they can gain some experience of the authentic empowerment that can come from learning this new way of looking, a new way of relating to themselves and the experiences that they have, and perhaps most importantly, to wean themselves from self-judgment, from judging others, and from judging the world, and, and so forth, as we were speaking about a little while ago. Because if we can wean ourselves from judging ourselves, and we can release the cloak of unworthiness and not enoughness that we misidentify with, it's like life can become beautiful, joyful. It doesn't mean you'll never feel upset again, but you'll have a way of relating with yourself that can be very compassionate and healing. One of the principles of spiritual psychology is how you relate to the issue is the issue, or sometimes we say how you relate with yourself while you go through the issue is the issue and the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I love that chapter that's called unresolved issues aren't in the way they are the way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's such, a, I, I, I repeat it a lot now because I just, I love how simply it's said <laughs> because we tend to get so caught up in our story and so caught up in our issue, our own issue, we just, we can't see past our own issue. We can't see, we can't see the, the suffering that's happening outside of us. We can't see what the other person, because it's usually always, if we're being triggered, we're being triggered by someone, usually. Sometimes it's some things, but usually it's someone. And we're so stuck on how we're reacting and how we're adding to our story and how we're doing that, that we can't just, we can't just, we can't see or hear, understand that, you know, it's perfect, that it's absolutely perfect, because it's helping us address something really profound in our lives. I mean, it's a beautiful way to look at everything that's happening. And to uh, have that awareness, um, by definition means that you have to have some understanding of a different way of looking at the world and our purpose in it. And, you know, some of the largest philosophical questions that have ever been in existence. Uh, people have not, uh, there have been people who've been giving us this message for thousands of years. It's just that we are now starting to wake up into a time in the history of evolution where we're moving more into the reality of it. As a species, we're really still pretty young. Yeah. Yes. yes. And part of what I love about uh, this chapter, Unresolved Issues Aren't in the Way, They Are the Way, it's like rather than 
judging ourselves for the disturbances that we have, the issues that we have, the limitation and restriction that binds us, that we can learn tools and practices that can assist us in resolving those things so that we experience more of the joy and the love, more of the possibility and much greater freedom to reside in the wholeness and and the holiness of who we are. And, you know, rather than a life that is issue-driven, life can become much more about service and about joy. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful way to look at, you know, the things that often come up that we, I mean, I, I love right before that chapter, you, you talk about, you know, compassionate self-forgiveness. And that's yes. a really important piece to understand. There's there's a part of us, though, that there's so many conflicting um, beliefs out there and spiritual um, uh, documents out there and understandings out there that can be conflicting. Like the law of attraction, where, you know, we tend to start to even blame ourselves when things aren't working and that we're somehow we we're at fault and we're not doing it right and so we there's a lot of judgment around ourselves there's a lot of uh, spiritual ego that happens when we you know see ourselves as better than someone else I mean there's all these things that sort of play upon us and then you know we get some of the truths that come out and it's a real conflicting place that we can start to go into and wonder, you know, what really is truth. And for me, it's always, you know, what does my heart say? Get out of my head, get into my heart. What, what is, you know, the the heart is so powerful. What does the heart believe? But when we look at our issues and we get so caught up in trying to figure them out and, you know, most of the time we're trying to control things. So when an issue comes up, it's like, okay, what can I do? What can I do to change, fix, heal? You know, that's where our focus becomes. And then again, we're focusing outside of ourselves instead of inside of ourselves. And so we're really not seeing that they are the way. We're not seeing the beauty of, you know, that it's exactly where we're supposed to be so that we can grow and evolve and move forward. I mean, it's just this perfect place. It's very easy to be loving when you're in a situation where you've got a community of totally loving beings. (laughs) The the challenge and the growth comes when you're in situations where it's not that, and then you get tested on what's the degree to which you can remain in the loving when all around you is going into chaos. Uh, It's like in that poem... um, if. The if poem, who is that, uh, Rudyard Kipling? Yes. Where he says, if you can keep your head when all around you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. <laughs> and and he goes on and on and on from there. But it's it's that idea. It's easy to be loving when there's loving going on. The challenge and the learning comes when you're in situations that are not so loving. Well, and I, I think because of our our human nature, because of our emotional nature, you know, it's so easy to take something personally. (laughs) And then it's a downward slide from there to disappointment, feeling rejected, misunderstood, betrayed, whatever the negative emotional consequence is. And this is why the work with our beliefs is so important. Mm. And also why self-compassion and why accepting our own humanness. It's its like people need not only to accept their divinity, but also to accept our humanness, to accept that we have an ego, an ego, that we have a mind, that we have emotions. But it's helpful as we become more aware of the trigger points that we have in consciousness, we can learn how to work with them. We can learn how to experience love and compassion. We can let go of the misunderstandings that we were conditioned into in our 
in our childhood and uh, early life, and that freedom is possible, and that we can reside more and more and more within the consciousness that is beyond the duality, the consciousness that we refer to as the authentic self. Right. And that's such an important process just all on its own. You know, we often also, you know, we're so adept at pushing our anything that makes us feel uncomfortable away that, you know, this, this whole concept, even again, that's another part that I think uh, the law of attraction or certainly the movie, the secret sort of uh, failed us because it, it, you know, talks about just being positive and, Yes, we can, you know, we know we have, you know, these concepts of the Pollyanna life where, you know, I just wish that everything could be perfect. And, you know, we, we do these, we we do these affirmations and we, you know, we say we do all this work and, (laughs) but if we're not being authentic, if we're not allowing an understanding that we are human, even though we have this divine essence within us we still are in this physical world that is very, that is still growing so rapidly, but is still in such an, a very, you know, young place that, you know, let's give ourselves a break. And then we have, you know, the teachers that talk about, you know, there's no ego when you, when you're enlightened. And, you know, we have this conflicting information that we, we just don't know where to go with and, and where to start and how to, you know, to reach it because, you know, sure, we all maybe have these memories of past lives where we, you know, we were on a mountaintop and in a cave and we didn't have to worry about, you know, all the other people around us. And sure, we we reached enlightenment there, but that's not the point in this life. The point is that we're not supposed to be hidden away and uh, we're supposed to be here now and, and still getting it even in the midst of all the chaos. Yes. You know, Lori, what you're saying is so important. One of the principles of spiritual psychology is that outer experience is a reflection of inner reality. And so the things that bug us in other people, the things that other people do and say that trigger us are really pointing to unresolved issues within our own consciousness. It doesn't mean that there isn't an opportunity for the other person as well, but if we can wean ourselves from the I'm upset because and blaming it on somebody else out there, and we can begin recognizing, oh, I'm triggered, I'm upset, I'm feeling hurt, I'm feeling angry, I feel disappointed, there's opportunity here for me to heal. And so we turn the attention first inside ourselves to assist ourselves through loving uh, compassion, through clarifying what what is being activated here and working it. And the technology of spiritual psychology is really designed to assist people in learning how to what we refer to as working their process so they can get free. Yeah. And freedom being the key. If we, yes. yes. <laughs> and it's, you have kind of written down the 11 principles of spiritual psychology. And we've been discussing, you know, each of them. And I think it's such a, again, I, I really love this book. <laughs> There's so much there. It's just, it's such a powerful kind of toolbox that we can use and reference and, you know, have in our, in our availability that when we get caught up, when we, you know, when we get to that place where we are in fear and something is hurting us that we don't have to, we have to, one, we don't have to do it alone. And two, we can see that it's it's not there to hurt us. It's not there to make us suffer. It's really there to help us move through it. It, it really is. Well, learn yeah. from it is probably even a better way to say it. Sure. And I think so often people interpret some of life experiences as against them mm. and sometimes even as punishment. 
And if we can learn instead to recognize that these experiences, challenging as they may be, are learning devices and devices that we can, we can learn how to utilize them in service to our healing and our liberation, oh my goodness, that is a game changer. That changes everything. Right. Yeah, and, and just, you know, I'm just going to go through some of your principles here, but I, I just, I think, you know, the more we look at the different ways that the universe, that those friends that we have, the, you know, the thing, the concepts that are out there, when you, when you connect in with, I don't want to say right way of thinking, but the authentic or the truth that is out there, you know, we can find truth in everything. And, you know, all the signs that we get and, you know, the different things that we read. I mean, we're attracted to those because that's where we're at. And that's where we're wanting to move towards. And it's like acknowledging that, you know, our this divine nature within us is guiding us all the time and helping us move towards each one of these experiences. And, you know, I love that, you know, you talk about, you know, we're not human beings with souls, we're souls having a human experience for the purpose of awakening. That is our purpose. That is our goal. You know, everybody says, Oh, what's my purpose? And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, really, our purpose is to grow towards love, and to find a way to have fun within this whole game that we're in because really it's this is such a tiny part of our our divine nature like it's it's our you know our our divine essence already is everything we want it to be it's just we keep forgetting <laughs> we keep forgetting who we are and that's the piece that it's like you know you can go through and have a beautiful awakening experience and then you know two minutes later, or three days later, you, you know, you get caught up in this human experience again. And so it's, yeah. this, it's, it's this balance that we have to have and to be authentic and to really nurture and love everything about us and everything about everything else that is assisting us in this awakening process. Absolutely. Everything, yes. everything you've just said is exactly the way we see it. Yes. To love it all. And to love yourself through it all, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that we're here. Oh, to... You know, one of the other things that yeah. we make, uh, I don't, I was going to say a big deal out of, but I don't mean it in, in a grandiose kind of way, is that I never, growing up in any of the spiritual traditions or going to church or going to synagogue, I never had any of the people officiating behave in a way that it seemed like it was going to be a lot of fun. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and at USM, uh, we talk about that a lot. We say, hey, whoever said we couldn't have fun and a good time doing this? So I talk about myself very often as the CFO, meaning the chief fun officer. <laughs> and we make sure that we have a good time with it. And as John Roger used to say, if it's going to be funny six months from now, it may as well be funny now. <laughs> and we think that's so true. Well, it's certainly an easy way to um, let go of some of the, the issues that we think are so, so daunting in our lives if you can find a way to laugh at it if you it totally dissipates any energy that is around it but it's so true it's like once we once we walk this path once we start walking this path it, we take it so seriously it's like wow can you can you just find a way to have some fun as well <laughs> yeah lighten up yeah <laughs> yes. yeah Please, <laughs> please, please, please. Uh, so, okay, where do I want to go here? I can tell you one thing, that um, 37 years and 5,500 graduates 
from our master's uh -huh. degree program in spiritual psychology, we can tell you unequivocally that this stuff works. <laughs> but, but you do have to apply it. It's not going to work if you just read the book. No, <laughs> definitely. That's, that's, that's probably very key in all of this. And that's why you give such great examples. And each chapter has, you know, things that you can do to experience um, each of the concepts. So, you know, you really thought of everything, but then you do have a university. So I'm assuming that that's, <laughs> that's probably a lot of why you do it, um, to put it together in a way that um, more and more people can evolve from it is, you know, a lovely service that you've offered uh, that may not, not everybody will have the opportunity to go to your university, but I'm hoping everybody gets the opportunity to read this amazing book. So please, please. They can do that. And uh, we're going to have um, an introductory workshop called Loyalty to Your Soul in August at USM. It's one weekend and people really get a taste of all of this and how it can work for them. So that's something that people might want to take advantage of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you have online courses? We we have several things online and we're in the we're in the basis uh in the basis. We're in the uh process of completing development of something else that's a lot more extensive and when that's going to come out is one of these moving targets. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that you would like to chat about? I, I mean, we, as I said, this, this book is all-encompassing and really should be, you know, a main staple in your toolbox to understand, you know, where you are and where you're moving towards and to really assist you on this spiritual awakening that we're all wanting to achieve. But if there's anything else you'd like to say that I haven't touched upon, please offer. Please. There's one story that I would tell because to me it's it was so uh, poignant in my life. And this was in the very early days with my first teacher. You know, we're going back um, probably the better part of 45 years ago. And she was a very, very clairvoyant being. She really could see people's energy and she was a teacher in her own right. And one day we were walking to visit someone in the hospital and they were, as we were walking toward the hospital, a woman was wheeling a wheelchair toward us and in it sat a young man. I'd say he was probably about 18 or 19. And it was one of these situations where he was all contorted and his head was like uh, moving involuntarily and um, he he wasn't in a position to respond to anything and and as we passed by um, you know and continued walking my teacher turned to me and she said you know Ron there's really no need for you to feel sorry for that young man she was reading my thoughts mm -hmm. and she says and there's certainly no need for you to judge the experience that he's having as pitiful or any of the other judgments that you're running in your mind. Because let me tell you, the truth is that this is his last incarnation. He has learned everything there is to learn in this earth school. And the one thing that he has left to do that he's working on is the lesson of endurance. Mm -hmm. And he will live out the rest of his life like this. But let me tell you something. He is very aware of this situation, and he is ecstatically happy. He's just living in a place of ecstatic happiness. So really, there's no need for you to feel any sympathy toward him because you're just reflecting the place inside of you that feels it would be terrible if you were going through that. And what a teaching that was at that time. I mean, that just really rocked my world that mm -hmm. someone could be having that experience and being in a state of happiness at the same time was just amazing. Yeah, I worked a lot with handicapped and uh, developmentally challenged 
adults and the the joy that some of them hold is is really powerful all right well what a powerful way to end this beautiful interview mary and ron i absolutely love this book i hope that everybody goes out and gets it it's called remembering the light within a course in soul-centered living thank you very much thank Thank you, you Lori. really a blessing and privilege to be with you thank you so much You're welcome. You've been listening to News of the Heart, and we've been getting to the heart of what matters. Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next News from the Heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.